What is crackalacking, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli, coming at you once more with Bleacher Report's Grant Hughes to continue tackling our free agency slash offseason lookaheads. They're not previews. They're fucking lookaheads. Put some respect on the, on the creativity we try to put into this process. Uh, we are on to the Northwest Division today. Grant, we're recording a, I don't know if this is a home and home. It's back-to-back podcast because before we recorded this, we did the Pacific Division preview. So not much has changed in the 30 seconds since we last spoke. But for our listeners, since this is coming out on a different day, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing great. I will say uh, I was preparing for a forecast. So I don't know if a look at, I, I feel like the look ahead is going to be too confusing. So, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, I'm just going to do my best. You just want to talk about uh, the Knicks signing Jalen Brunson to a max contract then instead? We'll just analyze I think that. If, if, if you wanted to just include what we talked about before you re- started recording, we would probably have to do like a parental advisory uh, preamble just, just to cover the profanity and the, the, all the curses and, you know, all the, all the rough talk we just did about that. So maybe, maybe when we get to them. Fair warning for the Atlantic division. Look ahead. Oh, yeah. Not a forecast or a preview or a primer. Not even a primer. It's a look ahead. <laughs> Here we are. Fancy, bougie as hell. Uh, quick reminder before we get started. We're trying to do 10 minutes or less on each team. This isn't going to be surface level analysis, but we just want to get into the meat and potatoes of what they could spend, what maybe they need or names that they could target. And I just want to reiterate this free agency class is abysmal because I do think the way that teams are building through free agency is changing. Sign and trades are probably more in vogue. And I think just signing players to extensions is more in vogue and then moving them later. Um, But that's why we're not spending 50 minutes on your team. That will happen when we eventually do our, Preseason look-aheads, not forecasts or primers or previews, but look-aheads. The first team up in the Northwest Division, because Grant and I want to live on the edge, and we're going to go alphabetically. We, we, we made it five for five in the Pacific Division without any issues. We'll see if this continues. So first up in the Northwest is the Portland, no, I'm just kidding, the Denver Nuggets. Their vitals, I'm starting the clock now, uh, their key free agents are DeMarcus Cousins, non-bird. They have full bird rights on Bryn Forbes. And they have early bird rights on Austin Rivers. Uh, their biggest spending tool is going to be the mini MLE, assuming, of course, that they use it, which the Jermichael Green trade that they made suggests that they maybe won't. And they are within $7 million of the luxury tax at this recording. So there might be other salary dumps involved. That being said, if we're getting into their you know biggest needs, priorities, they still need point of attack defense. You could always, like, Nikola Jokic can make it work without shooting. But like you need more knockdown shooters on this team. I want to know if they're going to duck the tax because of how close they are to it. And then are they going to punt on the mini Emily as a result? Grant, any thematic elements that you're harping on leading into Denver's free agency slash offseason? Can I say first that when you pretended to start with Portland, I had a genuine thought of like, oh, shit, do I not know which teams are in this division? Because, <laughs> you know, with the alphabet stuff, uh, you got me. Um, now overarching Denver thoughts are you, you hit the big ones. Like to me, like in a nutshell, this is a legit contender and taxpayer quote unquote, maybe at the moment probably won't be that just, I think there are a couple defenders away from having a good enough operation on that end to complement what I think, assuming everybody's healthy will be, you know, top five, top three offense in the league. Uh, so, you know, they should be a team that is, is willing to spend and look for, you know, every possible road to improve. Uh, I think as you alluded to, that's probably not going to be the case. Um, but their focus needs to be on, on defense at 
every position. Um, Aaron Gordon can't guard everybody. He's a little overrated in my mind as a defender, but he's clearly Ooh. the best defender on the team. Spicy. Um, I feel like he's underrated because they've abused the scope of his defensive versatility. He well, should not be a, like basically a primary point of attack guy. Well, that's that. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe maybe we're both right, and it's because he's being asked to do things that like is just beyond beyond what's reasonable for anybody, and he's he just can't do them. So, uh, but look, yeah, I think we agree they got to find they've got especially if you're talking about you know Jamal Murray coming off an ACL. We just saw Clay Thompson, you know, apples and oranges to some extent, but where you seem to lose it is your lateral quickness. I think at least in the first year back. So Jamal Murray, I think, is going to have some some backsliding defensively. Michael Porter Jr. was not a good defender to begin with after a year off ish. I think that's going to be another problem. So defense, defense, defense shooting would be nice, but I just, I think free agency. I, guess, would I say they need knockdown shooting. Like Michael Porter Jr. Might not be one of the, the best shooters in the NBA. Technically, and he is, I will say, I think he might be, well, I don't know anymore, but he was really good when I was watching him towards the tail end of his, the previous 2020, 2021, what the hell is time at this point? His help defense got a lot better and he felt like someone who could make a bunch of plays. As you mentioned though, coming back from this back injury, is he even still able to make those types of plays? Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you want to start, like I, I think, well, we should talk to, uh, we talked a little bit about it in the Pacific division. Um, Monte Morris is someone that profiles potentially as a trade candidate, both because he's going to be in demand and as a tax ducking mechanism. I think Will Barton is another person they might think about trying That's to move. The job. If you're, if you need to tax them, that is the guy that you're figuring out a way to get a cheaper player for. If you taxed up Monte Morris, um, I know I love Monte Morris. I named Bones Highland as one of the top trade assets in the NBA this summer. If the Nuggets wanted to make an all in play, which they clearly do not, um, you do not, I understand. And I think Bones Highland is going to end up being actually a really good floor general. I did not, the passing and his command of like the ball. I, that's not something I knew about him when he was coming out of college. If they dump Monte Morris, you want to talk about a rant? I'll go on one. <laughs> do you think they, what do you think? I know we're supposed to be doing free agency. Let's talk about free agency first. Uh, and then what they should, who they should be targeting before we get to like, what oh, I have the, the I have the name for you. And I, I bet you, we both have this name on our list. Okay. You go ahead. Bruce Brown. Yeah. He's on my list for sure. Probably out of their price range. If they won't use the mini MLE though. Right. Well, I think, and, and like, because you have to associate the two, cause they're sort of similar. Gary Payton is obviously the other guy. I think they should be just like, take all our money if, if well, the limited supply that there is. Um, but actually I thought this is just me. I, cause I've just, I don't know why I like, uh, the, uh, full circle nature of it, but you know, Gary Harris, right? Like just bring him back. You know, he's, he's not your shutdown guy necessarily, but through his career, he's been a capable, he's been a good defender. Um, and he's, he's had seasons where his best seasons were in oral in, in Denver where he made shots. I think, you know, especially if Barton goes any goes any place, and you can bring Harris back for, you know, depending on where they get, maybe they can use the MLE or, or at least the mini. Um, I think you know, it's, just Barton doesn't really provide a lot of what they need at this point, assuming all their offensive big guns are back. And so Harris just being a more balanced role playing type, I think, I think I, I like him. I thought that was going to be the name you were going to use. I'm glad you didn't, so I could do it. <laughs> Wait, what was that? I don't I don't think I heard that last name. Gary Harris is what you thought I was going to use. Yeah. This, do you think, so Gary Harris shot almost 50% on drives this year, shot well from three, defended really well in Orlando. 
is he you don't think he would get non-taxpayer mid-level i don't know i think i think uh the fact that orlando couldn't trade him for anything um suggests that like well i mean he was making 20 million so that's a little <laughs> he, was, he was expiring but you'd think they could have got something for him um Maybe yeah gonna i bring don't know. him back what's that Maybe they're going to bring him back. This is the, this is the Paolo Bancaro era Orlando Magic that we're talking about. They might have aspirations to win the 2023 title. Uh, I would, uh, I would, can I bet that they won't win the title? Um, <laughs> I don't know what the return on that would be, but I'm sure you oh, could. Have I brought, so I have another target for them. Um, I, I, I don't know if we were recording when I mentioned this guy uh, for other teams, but Michael Carter Williams is someone I think is gettable for the minimum, um, or even like non-guaranteed level based on his injury history. And, uh, basically if you go through, you know, it's just the quick and dirty thing, but like pull up his cleaning glass page and other than like his points per shot attempt rankings and general shooting stuff, like go to the defense page and he's just like 80th and 90th percentile in block rate, steal rate, defensive rebounding, offensive rebounding, just like all the other stuff which on this team, all the other stuff is really what is like lacking. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think there's a real value play. This will extend to, I'm going to use Michael Carter Williams several times just because I feel like I didn't expect him to be your favorite free agent of the summer, but if anyone's listened to the previous other look aheads, uh, Michael Carter Williams has come up quite a bit. (laughs) Except I'm not willing to say anyone should pay him more than the minimum. So I'm not sure uh, how much favor I'm really showing him. Derek Jones Jr. Another guy, I think just, just get someone out there that's athletic and can move around and defend a little bit. So those those are kind of who I'm looking at for them. Do you have anyone that I missed? No. And I think my issue with them is I, I very much feel like they're not going to use their mini MLE and the bummer uh, that makes me like rule out Bruce Brown gone. I even, if you're getting Gary Harris for less than the mini MLE, I'm calling shenanigans on that, that too, because he's worth at least the mini MLE after the year he just had. So and if you're not going to use that, just like, what are the names? You already mentioned them. Like it's Michael Carter Williams. It's, uh, and I think the issue here is too, is, you know, it, I don't even think if they, insofar, I told you I was going to bring him up, but like insofar as the Dallas lets him hit free agency, I believe his salary is non-guaranteed for next year. Frank Nielakina is probably going to go for more than the minimum this year. I think he flashed enough in Dallas to do that. I would assume they'll guarantee his $2 million salary. Uh, what about Derek Jones Jr.? They already traded green. They still have Jeff green there as well, but like they're, what is Zeke Najee? I think they view him. It feels like as a four and maybe a Zeke Najee, Derek Jones, Jr. Front court actually makes a bunch of sense because Derek Jones, Jr. Played well in some small ball five duty uh, last year with Chicago. So he could be a minimum guy. I don't know if he would like, maybe I'm underrating Derek Jones, Jr. But he is such a, unless you put him in transition or figure out ways to get him going downhill. Um, he's just not an offensive asset. And so I could see his market sort of you know, deflating. Well, I think, I, I, I don't know what he's worth. I think, I think the full mid level is not that that's an issue here. Probably um, is too much mini mid level. Like I'd feel okay about it, but I do think the fit is pretty good. I mean, I don't know how much he would play with Jokic and, but this with the spacing that team figures to have and with Jokic, just like making everyone better, a guy that is just a pure athlete that can cut, that can run, it's hard to think of a spot that would really feature the things Jones Jr. does well more effectively than Denver offensively, defensively. I, I, I kind of feel like, I think, I think he would help for sure. But I kind of feel like in my mind, at least I keep thinking of the Derek Jones Jr. at the top of the Miami zone, like three years ago. And that was, just, again, that was like a perfect position for success for him. And that hasn't really 
you know, no surprise that hasn't been replicated since then. Um, I like the fit of him. I, the, the, the cost is going to be tough. I, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to project what, what his, his market's going to be. Yeah. And again, it's kind of tough to project what the, the nuggets are going to spend. Do you see a team, because I do think this is part of their free agency. Uh, do you see a team that you think could be willing to take like a Will Barton who's making, I think he's around 15 million and he's a really good player when he's healthy. And last year it felt like nuggets fans were infinitely frustrated with him. He's actually making 16. That is a really uh, tough number to work out, but he is like, he can give you some real scoring juice and just like second, like tertiary ball handling there. Uh, but that number is, is which is why they could end up salary dumping Monte Morris because there are an infinite number of teams I think would, would take him and standing out like, you know, India's cap space. Are they willing to punt on some of it for Will Barton? Does Detroit use all of their cap space? Uh, and he's a player that can help you without sort of ruining a, a stealth tank if you're trying to go that route. But I also don't know, like, are there worse contracts out there that like you could flip him for, but you don't want worse contracts. You want cheaper contracts. And so it's just the mechanisms of a Will Barton trade are very complicated unless the Nuggets are the aggressors in trying to acquire someone. And it just feels like they're going to go the opposite route and just try and cut their tax bill. Yeah, now you really got me in the weeds trying to think of where Will Barton would be like hugely helpful. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's tough. Because it, it, you got to give back significant salary and who won't, like what, what at that number is to a certain team like in greater supply or, dem- or greater demand than like a guy who's just kind of a, a backcourt scorer like that you know that that isn't really big enough to guard multiple positions like that's, that's what would tough, be you know we what would be interesting and it only cuts about it's less than four million and I think you need to include something a Will Barton for Josh Richardson swap would make a lot of sense uh, just because the Spurs can do really whatever and uh, Barton's the more creative offensive player. Uh, and then he's, they're both contracts only a year. And then Richardson really, that'll help your defense. And he, I thought he quietly had a good season last year. And so I had thought a lot about that. I just don't know what you need to attach because no, I don't want to give up Zeke Naji for jo- Josh Richardson probably. And you're certainly not going to give up Bones Highland in that deal, but can you, and I think that they've traded like Denver's second round pick cache is not the word I'm looking for here is enviable at the moment. The first second round pick they could trade is actually in 2024, I believe. Um, so, oh, they have more seconds than I thought. I don't know why I thought they had less, but like is seconds enough to attach to that to make it work? Uh, I'd be curious, but that's the, that is the scenario I had zeroed in on personally. Yeah, I, 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 that could work. I think, I think, uh, I forget who you mentioned as a possible trade option for Jordan Clarkson. Was it Phoenix or it's somewhere that needs like another point of attack, like scoring guard anywhere Clippers. that that's the case. Yeah. The, the Clippers. Wait, yeah. Wait. So maybe Barton, I mean, Barton's not your conventional playmaker, but anywhere you're thinking about someone like Jordan Clarkson, I think Barton might make some sense. I think Clarkson's probably better, but, um, or at least is better at this, the specialty that he has. This uh, is all to say, I think as we already went over on the nuggets before we move on is they're probably going to fo- our guests, our guests, collective guests is like, they're going to focus on minimum signings and I would expect them. Maybe it won't be over the off season, but by the end of next year, they will have ducked the tax. <laughs> Oh yeah. That, yeah. Bank on that one way or the other. I think they're getting under because we care about getting the alphabet accurate here. We're going to go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they're key free agents. I was tempted to say nobody, but I think Torian Prince is actually a key free agent for them. There's Jake Lehman with full bird rights. And then Josh, uh, Kogi. I wonder if they even tender him a, a qualifying offer. He's restricted. Uh, Jalen Noel and Nas Reed both have team options. Uh, those will be exercised. 
Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, to me, is their most notable extension candidate. And I think you absolutely offer offer it to him and don't give regard for, yes, if it turns into like the Mega Max, so be it. Carl Anthony Towns is, is good enough. Uh, best spending tool is going to be the non-taxpayer MLE, which actually gives them a lot more you know, money to spend on the free agent market than a, a lot of other teams. And just biggest needs priorities for you. I'm actually, you know, I, I'm, I do find myself wondering whether this team is going to be ultra aggressive on the trade market because Tim Connolly wants to leave his mark on what they're doing. And we already, we saw them get creative on draft night, but it, I kind of wonder, my actual question is not free injury related. Is do you think they have a bigger move left in them? And what do you actually view their biggest needs as? Because I think the default has been to diversify like the, the front court packages next to towns. And it's weird to say, because I think Jared Vanderbilt was fantastic defensively for them next last year, but it feels like they need a substantially better player at that spot than him, or you need like a better three. If we're considering Anthony Edwards a two. Yeah, I think, I think, well, I mean, the big, the biggest decision is the extension, which I for towns, which I agree they got to do. I think the other thing they're going to look at, and I don't think it'll just be Connolly wanting to make a mark, but just operating kind of practically is, you know, are you going to extend D'Angelo Russell? And if, if you are, what's, what's that look like? And if you're not, which I think you probably shouldn't based on what his market may be in terms of salary, um, what do you trade him for? And I think maybe that's the, it's, again, this is a free agency thing, but, you know, I, I think, I think that's your best path towards sort of, like you said, diversifying your options next to towns, or at least just kind of filling in between cat uh, and, and Anthony Edwards as your, as your like kind of your bookends, I think, and, and listen, like connected to the Russell issue is, do we think Anthony Edwards is a primary ball handler? Like, can that, can he sort of step into the Harden, you know, Booker sometimes role where it's like, he's the initiator. I don't know. I'm kind of optimistic about everything with this guy and I wouldn't put it past him, but I think that's a consideration with moving Russell um, because like you could really take a step backwards in terms of your offense, even with as much talent as they have, if you just don't have someone to sort of hand out seven assists and not turn it over, which is basically what Russell could do. And he was good last so year. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, I, he's not my favorite guy, just, you know, just cause I think he's not quite efficient enough, generally speaking, but like he was, he was, he was a good player last year. So he's also tight. I think, maybe, I think which matters with Carl Anthony towns, which I feel uh, like I'm yeah. definitely guilty of. I don't wait relationships enough when I'm talking about what teams should do. Right. Right. I'm like, then, fuck it, move him. <laughs> yeah. He's not, I'm not paying him $31 million, you know, over the next three or four years. Uh, I, I like Washington as a trade partner. I know they drafted Johnny Davis. Um, I think Russell makes sense there. The Knicks were another team that when you're making up fake trades, that's another spot you send them just because they need a point guard. Um, but like, uh, to Washington, if you're going to get back something like some combination of like KCP and, and Kyle Kuzma, or I, I'm not the biggest Hachimura fan, but like adding a little bit of volume and like quality starters into the middle of that. So that if you want to put more shooting out there than Vanderbilt and McDaniels can give you, you can, I think Kuzma can play the four, like just, you know, just spitballing. But I think that's the type of move I'm looking at with, with Russell. Um, so I, I mean, we're, I don't want to like oversaturate with jumping around, but like then free agency wise, if you're not going to, you you know, cover your bases with a Russell trade, I just think you need someone that's better than Nas Reed to play some center minutes. Um, so like, maybe that's Kevon Looney. I think Hartenstein, you know, if you got the full mid level and you're willing to use it, that's someone you could definitely look at on the cheaper end where you're 
you know, like Cody Zeller, Gorgie Jing, bring him back, you know, what about Dwight Howard, trot him out there, see what happens. Like, I was gonna say, what about, and by the way, there's like this sentiment that they can't sign another big type because that's not how you should use Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns played like eight trillion minutes alongside Tosh Gibson at one point, and he yeah. was, he was still fire. The name I thought, and this isn't going to surprise you, you know, it's coming, right? Chris Boucher. <laughs> Get two shooters out there. Why not? Yeah, that's just like, I don't, I guess you probably don't trust him like defensively enough to cover for Carl Anthony Towns. He's more of a playmaker than an actual anchor on that end of the floor. I would, I would love it though. I'd fave that signing. Yeah. I think, well, just like, if you're going to have suspect defenders, they might as well be long, right? Like, the, so at least you're going to cover for some of that by just taking up space and, you know, if you got two guys that can maybe get you some help side blocks, great. You know, your pick and roll defense is going to suck, but you can, you can work around that. I know I, I totally agree. You need another big guy. I like, yeah, you, you want both, right? You want someone that you can, can stretch the floor and, you know, you want someone that can defend, you want someone with size that can play back up five minutes. I mean, Towns has generally been a really durable player, but um, I think, I think it's, it behooves them to add like an actual center um, and, and like, it's scary in the way that money gets spent in the modern NBA, but you might have to like, you might have to do more than the minimum to get someone that's actually going to make a difference. Um, and if you're not, then, you know, just, I guess you're going to rely on Nas Reed for another year. This is along those same lines, but and look, free agency targets for them was a little tough because it's actually easier to come up with like bigs for them than if you wanted to get like a combo wing or, or straight four they could be a team that looks at auto porter if they really wanted to i gave kyle anderson some cursory thought here uh not along the big man route but just as like a really smart wing what if you could this is i wanted to i wanted to catch you off guard with this let's say you can sign delon wright or tyus jones let's say you can sign either one of them would you do d'angelo russell for Marcus Morris and Norman Powell. And I'm getting either Jones or, or DeLon Wright. My, my thing is you're, you're signing another point guard. I just don't know. Like those are the two point guards that I think are worth the actual mid-level money. Like those are the two, let's be honest. If we assume Jalen Brunson is going to get paid way too much money by the Knicks or, or if he stays with the Mavericks. Um, I, I mean, Kyrie Irving, if, if you're the Clippers and you think you're going to be in the running for that, like take those two guys out of the equation. Is Tyus Jones the best point guard on the market? I mean, I think he's at the top of my list. I, I which, yeah, no, I think that I think he is right. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not being facetious. I think yeah. that is the actual case. Yeah, no, I would do that. I think I'd do that. I like the volume play there. I like you're getting, you know, multiple. Although I wonder, are you starting Powell and Edwards as your backcourt? Or are you starting? I, I would take Jones probably over, over right. Are you going to start? I think Jones? you start Jones. You could bring, look, you still kind of need to fill the, um, like, I guess they consider Jaden McDaniels a three. So, but you could mix and match with, if you have Norman Powell and Marcus Morris coming off the bench, or maybe Vanderbilt gets moved to the bench, you're starting Morris at the four, and then you have Powell and Beverly coming off the bench. But I think you start Edwards, Tyus, and Towns for sure. And then you can kind of, you know, finagle from there. I kind of like that team. I kind of, I mean, you, you what do you think about like, it for the Clippers though? Well, they do need, I mean, it addresses a need for them and they're dealing from a position of strength because they're like the only team that has more wings than they can actually play. Uh, or wings and combo forwards. I don't know. I think Powell and Morris, I think I'd probably do that if I'm the Clippers because, because Russell addresses their main need, which is just someone to, to run the offense. That's not a, basically a power forward. 
I felt oh. my gut was the Clippers would say no because I think Norman Powell is like he's under contract for longer at a an affordable number, but at the same time, that contract clearly wasn't valued around the league based off what the Blazers ended right. up moving him for. But I would love him in Minnesota. You imagine Norman Powell and Anthony Edwards like the same downhill pressure that they're providing in the same unit. I I'm glad that you didn't hate it. I assumed that oh, you were going to laugh at me, but I wanted to catch you that, off guard. That's fun. And, and well, just as you're listing off a bunch of, you know, your Vanderbilts and McDaniels and Pat Bev, like they're, are the Wolves going to be really good? Like I view them as an up and coming team, but like if Edwards really pops, which I think is honestly more likely than not. He is um, like the thing that would make me comfortable about moving D'Angelo Russell while only replacing him with a, Tyus Jones type, or even if you went worse than Tyus Jones, Anthony Edwards is going to be an incredible offensive engine at some point, yeah. not just for himself, but the reads that he can make um, and the way that he keeps defenders on tilt. And the way that I think I had some issues with the Wolves late clock offense or crunch time offense, but he also doesn't seem uncomfortable toggling between, Oh, I'm, I'm off the ball or I needed to defer here or no, this is, this is me. Like I'm going to go for this. And I, I, appreciate i don't know if you can call it feel yet because he and the rest of the wolves need to distinguish between what's right but this was year two yeah and i just he's someone who all of a sudden i wasn't super confident in him coming out of college i just look at him like that might be a future top five player in this league no i so i just i did recently the top 10 guy who's going to be you know for looking back five years from now who's going to be the top 10 players over that five year span like basically from now till 27 where did you and have kate cunningham <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, can I use this platform to say sorry? I forgot Kate Cunningham among the 40 guys I considered for honorable mention. He probably belongs, he definitely belongs in there. Um, but I put Edwards 10th, and as look as I look back at it, I feel like that might be too low. Like I he he's I I think it's a question of when because he's he's not he's athletically unlimited. He improved a lot last year. I think it's just a question of like how much craft is he gonna develop? And that's tied directly to can he be our primary ball handler like now so that trading Russell is just like, well, Russell was just in the way at this point. So we might as well go get our, you know, our Norm Powell and our Marcus Morris. So yeah, this is, we've had to have gone over now just gushing for, for we're actually right within the limits, but there, I think that there are a bunch of different routes that they could go in free agency because I think they have a, look, you can move Malik Beasley and try something different through, through that. route. I think there are teams that would still look at his salary and be like, all right, around 15 million bucks for this player. Um, didn't have the best season last year, but yeah, we could we could pay that. So I think their focus could be whatever it wants, but I'd be looking at, can we get a three or maybe even just more of a four who's an upgrade from Vanderbilt so that we don't have to even consider playing McDaniels at the three because they clearly don't want to do that. Yep. The next team, alphabetically, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they have no key free agents. Um, they have a bunch of notable non-guarantees. Lou Dort, 1.9 million team option. Uh, Teo Maladon, 1.9 million guarantee. Veet Krejci, a $1.6 million non-guarantee. Mike Muscala is a $3.5 million team option. Aaron Wiggins, $1.6 million non-guarantee. Kenrick Williams has a $2 million non-guarantee. I would argue the vast majority of those that I listed off, whether it's a team option or non-guarantees, should be picked up. And that's where shit gets weird for the Thunder. Their best betting tool is the non-taxpayers mid-level exception. I don't know if they're going to use it because I don't know if they have the room on their roster to use it. If they picked up all their non-guarantees and team options, they're at, I think, 19 players based off who they added in the draft. They have three rookies that they drafted top 12 this year. So shout out um, to the Knicks for helping them get a third top, top 12 pick. So 
I don't know what to expect from them in free agency. I love the Chet Holmgren pick, and they're now sort of built to play super big. I think the need this team has at every position is just shooting. And I wouldn't mind seeing them get a different type of veteran center in here from Derek Favors, just because that could go a long way. But that's where I'm at with them. And then my my final thing before throwing it to you is like there's going to be some they're not just waving or getting rid of all these guys. There feels like there's going to be some consolidation moves here for for OKC, not to trade for a star, but just like they have too many players who are worth continuous looks. Right. Yeah, no, they're I mean, the Thunder are difficult to evaluate just because they sort of for the last two years have operated unlike really any other team in the league. So it's hard to know what they prioritize. I do think we should mention that they, they still are, I mean, for the remaining, like what, six days of this league year, they have like $31 million in cap space. So if they wanted, they still have the option of being a facilitator for a bad salary trade. Um, How much interest they have in that is hard to say. They've been interested in that the last two off seasons. So that's something to think about. I mean, the guys that could fit into that are there aren't a lot and and it's what are the Thunder need more draft picks, I guess always. Um, but so that's one thing to think about. And then Lou Dort's kind of wonky, you know, they can, I'll probably get it wrong, but they can decline a team option on him, make him restricted, uh, or they can pick it up and he'll be unrestricted next summer. Would you they, do that? Would you pay him now and rest- as a restricted free agent? Well, so my understanding is if they go the restricted route, they can pay him more because then he can sign for 25% of the cap um, after getting the qualifying offer. If they do it now, um, then they can go four for, I think it's 58 or 60. The the Josh Richardson special. The Josh Richardson special. So like if I am in a conversation with him and he wants that money now, I would, I think I would do the, I'd go for, for, I do the Josh Richardson special for him for sure. Cause I think he would have trade value at that number if he's not part of your big picture. Um, and then it gets a little scary. Um, if you let him, uh, you know, if you start going higher than that, uh, through the restricted free agency route. So I, I want Dort. I mean, Dort is someone that like every fake trade you make up for the blazers with before the draft for that seventh pick or for the Sixers or whatever. Um, I think he should be in super high demand. So I think you lock him down at whatever a reasonable number is as soon as you can. And then I think potentially like his trade value goes up because you're going to have him at a decent number. I was curious if they were going to trade him and just for like a future first, but you're right. Like having a larger salary would be more helpful there. I honestly, I don't have a feel for what they're going to do with Dort. And that's just based on how they've operated with non-star free agents of their own in the past. Yeah. Uh, But I like without having clarification on the rest of this roster, like I don't even want to name free agency targets. So I'm like, they're like, yeah, it'd be fun to like see this team go out and try and get Chris Boucher, but they just don't have the room for him. Right. And you know, they, maybe they don't want to impede the growth of Chet Holmgren specifically, but some of the other bodies that are on this roster right now, um, I would expect it to be pretty uneventful when looking at free agency signings, which is by design. I mean, if they wanted to try and like take a, you know, if there's like a distressed asset, uh, I don't like, I, that they want to try and, you know, go after? I honestly, I, I don't know. But do you expect this team to add like any sort of veteran on the free agency market? No, I mean, the only the only route that I would see as like semi-plausible is they kind of target some second draft guys, like, you know, like a, like a Lonnie Walker who's restricted, uh, someone that you just think like, you know, I trust the pedigree of three years ago versus what he's done with the team that drafted him. Like Jalen Smith, I think this is my second Jalen Smith mention, won't be the last. Um, 
you know, just guys that are young enough to kind of fit with this team. That's just like all upside basically, except for Gilgis Alexander. Um, but yeah, there, I just, I, 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 if they don't do something crazy with the, with the cap space they have, that's going to be gone in a week uh, or less than that, probably by the time this uh, goes up, um, then I think it's just, they'll consolidate, you know, towards the end of the roster. Cause you were right. I did count. They have 19 guys counting their draft picks. That's a lot. You cannot that's have 19 guys. Yeah. That's too many actually, but it <laughs> turns out. Um, but yeah, I don't see any big moves. I, I, I guess, I think they're just going to stay the course and just let the youth develop. Cause I actually like on paper now, they're really interesting with, with Chet and with, uh, Jalen Williams and, and I'm forgetting who else Jang, I think. Yeah. I was Jang. So they're, they can do a bunch of different things. I just don't even like, what is the, aside from, yeah, they go out. There's not even like a ton of, I was gonna say they can go out and just add shooting. If they're going to at least clear the roster spot for it, there's not like a ton of shooting available this summer. Yeah. And it's, I'd just be curious, especially if you're trying to skew the younger route, I don't know like what free agent shooter is going to want to choose the thunder right now, knowing how mismatched they're playing to like, forget about their situation, just how mismatched their playing time would be. Uh, they would be like a, just like a, a fun TJ Warren, like rehab spot, like for him to come up, but he's 28. And it's like, well, they, would they really go that route? I would actually love um, for them to go after uh, Amir coffee feels like that's someone that maybe they could, cause they're still like, I, I don't think he's an advantage creator, but like someone, they need like guys who can shoot and handle the ball. And I'm just, that's, that's me probably taking shots at Josh Giddy at this point. Could they also still go the center route? Like they were a team that was like, Oh, could they, does the mid-level get you Nick Claxton or Mitchell Robinson? Or like I said, Chris Boucher, could you even still go that route or is just after the draft that you had, is it more like, no, like why, why would they didn't do that in the first place? They have Jermichael Green and Derek Favors. Why would they do that now? Yeah, I think I, Claxton's on my list for them too. I, Hartenstein, I think is another guy that just, you know, he's young enough that it would make some sense, but it just doesn't seem realistic for them to go for kind of these, they're not veterans per se, but they're, you know. I, they quietly I have a bunch of veteran bigs now too. Like if you keep Mustafa yeah. and you have Favors and Green. Well, the th- I think like Malik Monk in theory makes some sense if you're looking for someone that can shoot, but like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, the, the reality is like, if you're a good young player, who's good because you can shoot, you tend to not make it to free agency. You know, that, that, to, that you get your 28, 30 year old guys that hit free agency, that can shoot. And if you're young and you can shoot, your team tends to keep you. The other thing here is like any of the names we're spouting off. I would, I would argue Amir coffee is worth it. But like none of the names we really spewed off was, Oh, you need to clear roster spots for and get rid of a bunch of like even Aaron Wiggins, like the rim pressure that dude provides. Like I want a further look at him. If I'm okay. So you get the next season. That's the thing. Whoever you're adding is just going to get in the way of the six guys at that position you want to see develop. Right. Like, and then you don't, I still think I, you might argue that the thunder are going to try to angle toward winning more games now. Cause maybe SGA is getting annoyed at all this. Um, but he, by the way, he doesn't seem like it. He came no, he out, his, his end of season presser. He just came out and said, I'm very excited about the future of this organization. And it helps. It, 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 still like, it helps that they keep me so informed. I don't know where this SGA needs to get out of an OKC narrative. So I think it's just from Raptors fans who are thirsty to get SGA back in Canada. I really think that's what it is. But so, yeah. So if they're, if the point is going to continue to be to play a bunch of like 20 and 21 year olds and, you know, plus, plus Gilders Alexander, then like, why are you looking at, you know, 25 year old free agents that might not be huge upgrades anyway. 
I think we can move on to the next team here. The Thunder, they're just going to be interesting to see how they manage their the talent on this roster. That's why if it sounds like we're rambling, it's you could talk yourself into circles because there are are that many intriguing flyers. Like not all of them are these blue chip cornerstones, but like Jang and Holmgren, in addition to SGA and Giddy, might be. And that's with me being lower on Giddy than the consensus. So the Oklahoma City Thunder are done, which brings us to the Portland Trailblazers, who I was ready to be down on their offseason, but I'm ready to be a little bit higher on it now. Key free agents, this might be outdated because his guarantee is on the 25th by the time you hear this, but Josh Hart, he'll be guaranteed it is $13 million. Joe Ingles, full bird rights, coming back from a torn ACL. Yusuf Nurkic, full bird rights. Anthony Simons, a restricted free agent. Notable non-guarantees, Eric Bledsoe, $3.9 million guaranteed of 19.4. Damian Lillard is extension eligible for like a two-year, hundred-plus million dollar extension that rumors had him wanting. Um, they have a notable trade exception. Finally, a team with a notable trade exception again. Robert Covington's TPE, $6.5 million. It expires February 4th, so they have some time to use it. Um, after getting the Jer- uh, Jeremy Grant, their best spending tool is go- not going to be cap space. It's going to be uh, the non-taxpayer mid-level. I would argue that was always the best course for them because I wouldn't have wanted to renounce that CJ McCollum TPE in the first place just to have cap space in a summer where having cap space doesn't really make any sense. So naturally, the New York Knicks have prioritized cap space. Um, I'm sorry to do that. But anyway, what are their like? I could talk in circles about do they need an upgrade over Nurkic? Now they all of a sudden seem like they have a bunch of intriguing defensive talent. Do they need more shooting around Dame? Um, do you think Shaden Sharp sticks there? We know Dame liked him, but a lot of people thought if this team's trying to win now, um, do you get a project like him? And then uh, my two actual questions, though, would you just guarantee Bledsoe's contract to make him sort of a human TPE? And two, will Joe Cronin, unlike Neil O'Shea, actually sign a backup point guard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do guarantee Bledsoe just because for that exact reason, if, if you're, if you get to the trade deadline and you need some matching salary or something like that's just, that's an asset. That's just, you know, I don't think, I don't think he's going to play. I mean, theoretically he is a backup point guard um, and maybe you rehab his value by actually playing him a little bit uh, before the deadline, but yeah, you got to keep him around. Um, and so backup point guard, I guess, you know, I always, I, I always kind of, like what you need to do to make sure your offense functions is just make sure there's one guy. Like, so Lillard is one Simons is two. You can stagger him a little bit. And so really now you're looking for like a third guard, I think. And that's just easier to find at the minimum, even though, as I think we've said on both, uh, both divisions we've done so far that the point guard market's not great, but go find a minimum guy. Howell Neto, what I'm going to keep mentioning him as someone that can just be your third point guard. Um, when actually he would bring defense, which that's to me still, even with Grant, uh, I think if you're committed to playing Simons and Lillard, it's, it's just basically redux of, of Lillard and McCollum, where I think both of the three, four spots have got to be capable defenders. So, or at least you've got to have options uh, in terms of like, maybe your third guard is, is, is a defense focused guy. So um I, I like the idea of them prioritizing defense. I think if they bring Nurkic back, I would then be more concerned with surrounding that group with shooters. Um, but I think just making sure you've got someone that can cover for Lillard and Simons, move around a little bit, switch, have some length. I think that's that's kind of my main free agency focus for them. Yeah, I'd probably be with you. Do you think it's fe- it's probably not feasible for them? Nurkic is back because you used your flag. Like you're not going to be involved yeah. in the DeAndre Ayton sweepstakes anymore. 
uh, just based off Jeremy Grant. You could probably argue that you need like a truer three. Um, Hart's going to be a three because you're playing Simons and Lillard a bunch together. But like Jeremy Grant's really more of a four. Hart's um, a little small. I mean, he's he rebounds like a four, but he's but he's small otherwise for defensive purposes. Yeah. And I just don't know what like there. I don't actually don't know if there's a, a wing who's worth the non-taxpayer MLE there because you don't Otto Porter Jr. You're not really a wing even if you're willing to go that route. And I guess you could get away. You could play Jeremy Grant, Otto, and Hart together, right? If you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. I, oh. I think the one guy that, I, I mean, it's a high risk thing, but I think if you're trying to win right now for Dame, which clearly I think that's priority. I think TJ Warren is someone that they should look at. I, I, I wouldn't feel super comfortable spending the full mid level, although I think probably somebody's going to give him that. Um, because you know, again, health is the big question, but like he had like kind of incremental development over the last three years prior to getting hurt, where it was like, Oh, like he can shoot threes now. And then, Oh, he can defend now. And like, Oh, he can do both now in the bubble. And then suddenly he was hurt. But like, I think if, if he's healthy, uh, Warren would be like that, that looks, that starts to get pretty interesting. If, if Warren can come in there and be, you know, not a stopper, but someone that's going to hold up defensively against your bigger opposing forwards, along with Grant, um, then maybe you've kind of got more bases covered defensively and you can get away with playing Simons and Lillard against, you know, what they want to be playing against, which are good playoff teams. I wondered if they could skew smaller still though, and be like, Hey, let's look at GP two, or let's look at even a Gary Harris, Um, just guys that we know are going to be capable defensively. And we're not going to play Simons and Dame, together all the time so in theory so you know, you're playing those guys the two rather than the three or like asking them to defend so many threes and we make the jokes about the backup point guard i think anthony simons is the growth he showed as a playmaker last year not super complex plays but making just like when defenses are reacting hitting guys uh, i think he could absolutely be the backup point guard but you, the, your optimal team is going to have simons and lillard probably playing 30 plus or 25 plus minutes together every single night so that's why i think backup point guard is a priority. And that's what it feels like for this team is aside from, unless there is a starting three, that's going to upgrade. And I just don't, you're not going to get someone better than Hart or grant. It's all backups or the, because like Nurkic, grant Hart, Simon's Lillard, like there's something there. It's, can you find sort of backups? And I think the backup big market like that, like that could end up being a primary focus for them is someone who diversifies your lineups when Nurkic is like sitting and is it, or is it someone who, and look, the only other center on this roster, I think right now, um, is Drew Eubanks, if I'm not mistaken. I'll, I'll double check that, but I don't know why I have that written. And he might even be a, a free agent for all I know. But do they have Do they have Drew Eubanks? Why do I have Drew Eubanks written down as a stumbling here? But they have minutes open at the five. So like Chris Boucher, could they look at him? Um, he could also play some four. So if you wanted to even go with like a smaller front court, but isn't compromising like the entire essence of what a front court should be, like Boucher Grant, is something that could work. Cause I've wondered Jeremy Grant could probably steal some small ball five minutes, depending on what the rest of the lineups look like. I already mentioned like some of those second, what would be second string guards. If it's a Gary Harris or if it's a, a GP two, I do wonder, I don't think they would look at this team and say, Oh, we need a, you know, a, like a third creator because you have lower, but like I thought about Oladipo for a minute, if they wanted to try and get through lineups with him at the three. And if he's only costing the, the non-taxpayers mid level, I thought about Kyle Anderson too. We talked a lot about shooting, He's probably more of a four though, but I still think if it's like Kyle Anderson and Hart, or if it's Kyle Anderson and Jeremy Grant, like that's also not unworkable. 
I'd like Thad Young too. I mean, I think he's oh, kind of too. one of those guys that fits everywhere. But if you're kind of trying to thread the needle between let's get some playmaking and then let's also have someone who can has in the past at least played some credible minutes at center against like certain matchups. Um, yeah, basically we just need to pilfer the uh, the Raptors free agent bigs more or less. Uh, yeah, I think I don't know if how much I have to add to that. I think um, GP2 was another guy that was definitely on my list because like the size, you know, for him, he's like six, two, but I mean, he can credibly guard your six, eight wings. So, and, and he just shut down smaller guards. So where, wherever you're trying to hide uh, Lillard or Simons, assuming you're not playing both together, Peyton is just going to like, he's going to solve that problem. Do you think, and I, this is part of it uh, that they're going to keep Shaden sharp as sort of a hedge against if they do need to decide to segue into a different era, or maybe they hope that, his upside materializes. And by the way, they had Drew Eubanks on uh, to finish last season. That's why I have him in my, my salary sheet. He's not technically under a guaranteed contract for next year though, but just to justify what I was saying before, uh, do you think that Shaden Sharp's name pops up in the rumor mill throughout the off season? Or is this like a, we drafted him to keep him type situation? I think a couple of things. I think uh, I'm not a draft expert, but based on like what I've watched and just some of the people whose opinions I respect, I think Sharp has the potential to like three years from now, if it's like abundantly clear that Sharp is the best player from this class, it would not, I wouldn't like be shocked. Um, so that pre- preface what I preface everything with that, but I think if they were going to move the pick, they would have moved the pick before it became Sharp, just because I think it's kind of, it's the used car thing or it's the buying a car thing. You drive it off the lot. Like you make the pick suddenly it's slightly less valuable. Um, maybe they're surprised that sharp was there and that changes something. But I, I think they hold on to that because um, it gives you an out. Honestly, like, I think, I think if you go forward with like sharp and Simons as your core and you have to blow this thing up because it's just not working and you trade Dame, you're still, you're still okay. So I, I think, I don't know how much they can realistically expect him to help this year, but like the theory of him, like there's your, there's your big guard that just can maybe be a super athletic defender and shot creator and shooter. Like if he's ready next year, then I think that's still within the Lillard got to win now timeline. Uh, one last name I wanted to mention for them in free agency. I feel like one of the Martin twins could work for them as mm-hmm. well. And if you have the, the, the bigger MLE, that's those are guys that are going to defend. They, like I said, they both hit enough of their three point attempts. Caleb was at 41.3% on 155 three point uh, on 155 three point attempts. And he also shot uh, 70% at the rim and 55.1% on drives. Um, and either of those guys, I guess it's I, looking at the makeup of this team. I might almost prefer Caleb a little bit. Are you less likely to get him because the heat are more aggressive smarter franchise than the Hornets. Sure. But we're talking about maybe to get a wing, you're still on the smaller end here, but like, that's something that would fit uh, at least the, the ideology of what they need. And even sort of how Joe Cronin seems to be like building this roster in the post O'Shea era. Yeah. I like, I like that. I like either of those. I think I'd probably throw, we've mentioned Gary Payton. So we have to mention Bruce Brown too, as a, as a possible fit. Yeah. If you don't care about downsizing and you believe in his three point shot from last year, because Brown hit the three pretty well. Final team in the Northwest, the ever implosive Utah Jazz. Their most key free agents are Eric Pascal and then Hassan Whiteside. They don't have bird rights on Hassan Whiteside. Juan Hernan Gomez is a 7.5 million non-guarantee. Uh, I guess they declined that, but if you're looking for sort of a human trade exception, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, they have a Joe Ingles trade exception worth $9.8 million. It expires in February 9th, so they can hold on to it. Uh, they have a ton of, I don't know, they have a ton of defensive priorities. I think they just need athletic defense is what this team needs, specifically at the three and the four. But there are just so many other questions looming over this is, are they starting over? Are they trading Gobert? Is Donovan Mitchell a trade request risk? And those questions are going to inform their free agency targets. And my gut feeling is, though, because of their proximity to ducking the tax, they're going to be more so in the minimum contract range. And so I considered, um, and if not, their best betting tool is going to be the mini MLE. Someone like Juan Toscano Anderson makes a lot of sense for them. I don't know what his market's going to be, but Golden State didn't really have him in the rotation. And so he could be available for the minimum, even though he's a restricted free agent. Um, But the question I wanted to start you off with, and maybe that will inform targets you have for them. How many of Conley Clarkson, Royce O'Neal and Mardanovich are back in Utah next season? Let me throw Utah. Uh, let me throw Utah. Let me throw Gobert into that player pool as well. I'm going to set the over under at 1.5. Okay. I'll go over, but like not comfortably. Um, I think I, I kind of think Gobert's they're going to move Gobert. I'm surprised. I'm almost surprised it didn't happen on draft night. Um, just because I now I don't know if that's the right decision because I think Mitchell uh, overrated is a shitty thing to say, but like, I think, I think at least with Gobert, you're like guaranteed that the theory of building a team is pretty easy. I think Mitchell, you know, is just, he's a notch below now. I think the Booker Tatum level that like there was a discussion about before. Um, So anyway, I'm digressing on myself here. Um, I think, I think they should look into moving everybody, but like you said, the, the, like the, the, at the outset of this, like, this is one of the toughest free agent teams to talk about because they could look like just wildly different, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of their personnel and their financial outlook and like everything else, their timeline could change depending on what they do with Mitchell and or Gobert. Um, I guess, I guess the most likely guys to be back are probably say Conley. Cause it's, I don't know what the market is going to be for him. Uh, you know, yeah, he has that huge there. guarantee on the back end of right. this deal. So you can't even treat him as an expiring contract. I think he's, he's guaranteed 14.3 million of his 24.4 million in 2023, 2024. And he's making 22.7 next year, which isn't chump change. Yeah. And so, but then like someone like Clarkson, I think is movable. O'Neal, definitely movable. Like how many times would we have mentioned Royce O'Neal in our, like this team needs a, a wing that can be a competent role player and make threes. And Who, I know he had a down year last year, but if he, they ran him through the gauntlet these past few years, if he had just like any sort of help, we're probably back to gushing about how good Royce O'Neal. Right. Well, like I haven't, I don't have it in front of me, but if like, I'm sure his matchup difficulty is, you know, got to be the highest on the jazz by a lot. And then, you know, one of the handful of highest figures in the league, just because by default he was guarding, whether the guy was like a two or three or even a four, like he just guarded the best other players overtaxed. So, you know, they have guys that are palatable. I think Bogdanovich should be in demand as a trade piece, like on an expiring deal. If you're a team that just is willing to kind of deal with the defensive limitations and you want just a dead eye shooter that can make a play. I mean, so yeah, I, their, their free agency is just like, I have no idea right now just because I don't know what this roster is going to look like. I think, again, it's probably minimums. I do think you're right about the tax issue. Um, so, you know, you're, you're just looking for 
athletic wings that can defend and shoot, which is like what everyone's looking for. But this team needs specifically, especially on the off chance they, they keep the core together, right? Like, cause then, you know, your needs very clearly cause they've been the same for the last, what, two or three times they've gotten bounced from the playoffs before they wanted to. Would you, and I, I like even TJ Warren, he would have to go for the minimum. I think for them to take a look, I'm just like, there are many MLE guys that might make sense for them. Otto Porter would make sense for them. I don't know why if the money's equal, he's leaving um, GSW for Utah, but that's all. That's all the other situation. And Utah's a really good team. They mm-hmm. can be thermonuclear on offense. Gobert's a top 10 defense unto himself. If the money's equal, which it will be for a lot of these guys, there's so much unrest in Utah. Why would you go there right, right now? Well, and, and like, if they do, there will be, I mean, the unrest might be alleviated if they split up Mitchell and Gobert, but if they don't, and we're just looking at these wings, it's also like, well, where are my minutes going to be? Because if they don't move, you know, Conley, Bogdanovich, O'Neal, Clarkson, like you're signing a guy that's like, what am I, the eighth, ninth guy on this team? So, you know, then if the money's equal, it gets even sketchier because you're adding a lack of playing time and, you know, the chance to improve your future earning potential, assuming we're talking about minimums, you're adding that to like, what's this team going to look like at the deadline? If things go sideways, like there's just too many, there's a lot of variables. It's in theory, because of how good the roster is, this should be like a, you know, a pretty palatable destination. Not that Utah has always been great with free agency, but I think all the, all the external factors and all the uncertainties make it like really tricky. Like if you're, if you're Daniel house, do you like, I mean, he would have a role there for sure. Cause he did, last year do you want to go back there or do you want to sign with you name it for the mini mid level someplace i don't know the if they were actually looking to address their real needs this would be to say that they would go to the trade market yeah based on what we're talking about and names that's great i proposed this when we did the pacific would you do jordan clarkson for Mar- marcus morris if you're the jazz i think i probably would just because Suddenly you have a small ball center option, which, you know, I don't know if that was always the issue. I think it got overblown as the issue, but at least on the off chance you want to take Gobert off the floor, I guess that's, that's what you could do. Um, and then I, you know, Clarkson is just strictly a scorer. And I think if you have Mitchell and you retain some of the other offensive talent, like this, this offense is great. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need Jordan Clarkson to come in and, you know, kill backups. Cause you're not playing Clarkson at the end of important games anyway. No. And look, if you're worried because you're taking on money in that deal, which I don't, I don't fucking care about, but you could include Rudy. It could be Rudy Gay and Jordan Clarkson for Marcus Morris. And look, if you're, if you're LA kind of looking at Rudy Gobert, uh, Rudy, Rudy Gay is, Oh, we could probably use him not in the Marcus Morris senior role, but if we want like a, a slower look with him up front, like you could go that route as well. So I actually liked that framework. The other thing, this wasn't on the table until there was the report that the Knicks are looking to dump him to continue clearing out cap space for uh, Jalen Brunson you can fit Cam Reddish into the Joe Ingles trade exception. And there's like real defensive pep to the way he plays at points. I don't know. It would be optically fucking stupid of the Knicks to give up a first round pick for Cam Reddish only to not use him, then start to use him, see him get injured and then salary dump him to go after Jalen Brunson. That being said, maybe you're throwing them a second. You're not throwing them a first round pick, but if you're willing to take on the money, he fits into your trade exception. And I actually think do I think he's closing the end of important games? No, he gives Royce O'Neal a huge break. Just looking at, he can go defend one through three. And I think he would, there's kind of like the upside there too, where it's like, Oh, he's still young and he could be anything on offense, even though he, he probably won't be. No, I, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, the Knicks, 
the Knicks just did basically that by salary dumping Kimball Walker and attaching draft assets as a contract you guys signed. I guess, you know, sorry. So they're open to it. We know that. Yeah. So like, those are the names. I, I don't know if any other trade targets sprung to mind for, for you. I tried to figure out a way to get them. Jonathan Isaac at one point uh, that proved very difficult. The magic would have to hate Jonathan Isaac's contract, which I guess is, you know, I suppose it's possible, possible. but yeah. Uh, I wonder if they could even get Markel Fultz from Orlando, like just play him next to Donovan Mitchell or even go super small and play him next to, uh, you'd be going super small anyway if O'Neal is part of that. Uh, Harrison Barnes would be great for them. I just, if you're Sacktown, the way that they prioritize John Collins in a Harrison Barnes trade, do they view Boyan Bogdanovich in the same vein? He is the better offensive player, but like John Collins is younger and just, I think better or at least more intriguing all around. Uh, the other name, this, if you're playing him at the four, I mean, you, you have issues, but Josh Richardson, is that someone that you can get here? And what is it costing to, to get him? Because you have the different various levels of salary matching. I'm not giving up Boyan Bogdanovich for him. I don't think the Spurs want Conley. Would they want Clarkson? I would give up. It's not, look, I, Jordan Clarkson has been really good for the jazz. What he provides, though, I just don't think is super important to them at the moment. I would give him up for it. Or you could step ladder. I'm not giving up Royce O'Neal for Josh Richardson, but you could step ladder your way there with uh, they have Naw right now and then Rudy Gay, let's say. Like, that's that's a package that you could flesh out from there to get Josh Richardson. Do you, I mean, it seems like, I mean, this isn't the subject of this pod, but like, it seems like the way to address a lot of those issues is just if we're talking trade, like, what do you think of the, I know it seems like it's less likely to happen now based on recent reporting, but the, just go bear to Atlanta for Capella and you pick one like Collins or, uh, you know, Hunter, um, you could get worse with, you know, you use Herder and like lesser players, but it seems like you could kind of sort things out with a Gobert to Atlanta trade. And I know like both fan bases kind of hate that, or at least the, the some of the ones that have been kind of posited as, as possible. But if you, do you do that? Like if, if Atlanta says, Hey, we'll take them, we'll give you Capella. We'll give you Collins. You can, if it's going to be a sticking point, you can even have Herder. Like, do you just do it? No. If, uh, unless you're going to reroute one of Collins or Capella elsewhere, um, I would probably do it if push came to shove if I'm the Hawks. If I was the Jazz, I'd be more, can you do Collins, Okungu, and Hunter type framework? And I might even be more inclined to do Collins and Okungu and then maybe Kevin Herter. Um, and if I was the Hawks, like those are still parameters I'd be thinking about, but Capella still has to be moved because you're yeah. not having Capella and Rudy Gobert. I don't know that for what the Hawks themselves have, I don't know if they're going to give you enough defensive juice in return um to prop up your roster like yeah i guess you replace rudy gobert with capella it's like if it's capella and hunter and okongwu i just don't it doesn't wow me if i'm utah if you make that move uh, to me it's more about we're looking for flexibility moving forward to have these more digestible contracts that we could deal and we don't think rudy gobert with four years and 170 ish left provides us with that yeah i'm not interested in collins if i'm utah just to answer my own question i think I think I need to get Hunter and I would really push hard for a Kong Wu and you like Hawks, you figure out what to do with Capella, but then, then you've got a money matching issue. You kind of almost need Capella I, or Collins. And then you're kind of rebuilding is where, like, I know you could still be okay, but I think there's this belief that the jazz could move Rudy Gobert and not get measurably worse. I, I they're, they're going to get a lot worse. And so you have to consider, okay, what is that? 
We still have Brandon Mardanovich and Mike Conley and Royce O'Neal and Jordan Clarkson in that scenario. Maybe they're deeper. Maybe their lineup packages are more versatile. Are they anywhere near as good as they were last season? And the answer is no. No. And I mean, like, look, this same roster basically two years ago was the best team in the league by a ton. Like their net rating was like plus, I can't even remember now, but it was well clear of everybody else's. Um, like I, yeah, I, I, again, we're probably discounting the personal side of things again, but like, if you can make this work, I think you find a couple athletic defenders and you just run it back. But again, like we've just spent several minutes discussing yeah. that. That's hard. And that look, that's what I would do if I was this team is I would keep the core together for at least another year and then you can figure it out next season. Like Conley only gets easier to move at that point. If you lose Bogdanovich for nothing in free agency, it's not the end of the world. And maybe you have a better feel for what's going on at the trade deadline with this group. And it could be something, I think it needs to be more than bringing back just Daniel house, but like go out there and make the move that maybe makes you net neutral payroll. And then you can reevaluate at the trade line or even ahead of the draft. If you need to, if you need to, which you don't, no team ever needs to, but if you're staying around, um, I think right now I have them on my sheet. They're within $2 million of the tax that would go up if they, you know, brought back Juan Hernan Gomez or signed players or made additions. But if you're going to be within 10 million of the tax, that's something you can try and address closer to the trade deadline or at the draft. I just don't think now's the time to short circuit it unless you're going to be bowled away by a Rudy Gobert offer. And even if you are, I just think you need to be prepared to rebuild because divesting Rudy Gobert, or even if you, I don't think Mitchell's a risk to request a trade because they could send him wherever the hell they want. At yeah. this point, I think he, he and his, his camp are, they're smarter than that. They know. I mean, I found the report that they were shocked by Quinn Snyder being fired or not fired, but leaving hysterical because we all knew like people who weren't even plugged in knew that Quinn Snyder was leaving. So Donovan Mitchell was not shocked by that. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would suggest that his he and his camp knew like a little more than we did too. I would so. think maybe, maybe not though. Totally possible. So yeah, I would keep it together and try and improve on the margins. I do for what they need. Yes, that's going to be tough to improve on the margins. This is to say like, hey, maybe consider spending the full MLE. Or is there is there even a way like, can they get Kendrick Williams from OKC um, who helps a ton and makes so little? I don't know what you're necessarily sending back. But I even think the name I sprung to that is, I think will be within their price range, like a Juan Toscano Anderson yeah. and another trade target to monitor. I don't know what Washington's, we know what their plan is when they're keeping Beal. But is, is KCP, or I think more usefully to the Jazz, is Kuzma mm-hmm. available there? Like, is a Kuzma for Clarkson swap at all make sense? Do you need to attach – how much do you need to attach to Clarkson to – Kuzma plays a more desirable position, but having that shot creation in Washington from Clarkson himself, I'm just spitballing here. But, like, that's – if I'm the Jazz, I'm, ap- I'm operating like this core sticking together because I think that's the right move, at least through next season. Yeah, I think Kelly Oubre. I mean, I, does Bogdanovich get you Kelly Oubre? Like, I mean, Oubre is kind of a an undisciplined, wild defender, but he's a great athlete, and he just changes. You know, he he hits he hits what you need to hit for that for that defense. I think he's just going to get out and you know be mobile and stuff. Like, I think Bogdanovich is a better player, but in terms of fit, like I don't know, you could talk me into that one. That would be interesting. I wonder why Charlotte would want a more expensive player when it looks like they're trying to cut payroll, but maybe it's right. a, a third team gets involved um, where you're ending up with Kelly Virginia. But yeah, I'm with you there. Jazz are one of the most fascinating teams, probably morbidly so though, leading into the offseason because of all the different permutations of outcomes that <laughs> seem to be available to them. Yeah. Grant, this was great. Until we record the next one, are you able to tell our listeners where they can find you and all the fantastic work that you put out? Find me here on the next one, probably. And then uh, GT underscore Hughes on Twitter. And uh, you can read what I write at Bleacher Report. 
Thank you so much as always. We'll be talking to you soon. And until next time, leave you all with a shout out to the one, the only. Well, before we get there, if you've made it this far, I need to plug this at the beginning. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to us. Uh, join Discord. The links to that and all our socials are in the podcast descriptions. And now until next time, we'll be shout out to the one, the only, the legendary Frank Nicky.